Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Bible Thumper podcast, where somebody's got to say it. My name is Patrick Hayes, your regular host, and with us this evening, we have Colorado senatorial candidate, Brian Piotter. Brian, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing well, thank you, and I'm the candidate for the Libertarian Party, which is the party of the youth and the energy in this state. You know, it's not the old person's party. It's, it's we're doing things. <laughs> we also don't know what we're doing. It's, it, you know, you, you can't have the energy and motivation and the experience at the same time. Yeah. Well, let me, uh, l- let me just jump right in with this because one thing that I find when I'm talking to folks that are on the conservative side of the spectrum, which are going to be, you know, typically Republicans, the, the question comes up. So, you know, why be a libertarian? Why not be a Republican? So for the folks that are new to this idea, um, give us your, you know, your two minute overview. What do you tell someone that asks you that question? I'd say that libertarians often can get behind a certain type of Republican, but being freedom oriented and liberty minded means that for the most part, we don't support the Republican candidate because they don't agree with anything we, we, we find is important or the principles we care most about, they abandon immediately. So the average Republican candidate and myself disagree on the most important issues. Government spending, what the Constitution meant and what it should do or shouldn't do, um, what, what it means to be a conservative. We disagree on that. I believe that I'm conserving the Constitution that was created and I am following a Bible that hasn't changed. So culture might say that marriage can be between a he, she, and a she, he, but my Bible it says it's between a man and a woman, and a man has a definition, and a woman has a definition, and it's just black and white as far as what it means. So if you find yourself not agreeing with your candidate in the Republican Party and unable to control that party, well, then you should leave that party. Come to a party that actually you can have an effect on. You can control what happens, the direction people are going, the way money is spent, and the message that is spread. Have a message that you agree with, that you believe in, and and candidates that you can support. I'm going to say amen to that. Okay, so one thing that I've... One thing that I've seen, uh, because now when whenever I'm talking to people, you know, I tell them that I am a libertarian. I am new to the party, so I am still learning some stuff. I still have questions. I don't pretend to be an expert on some of the beliefs and philosophies of the party. But one of the things that I ran into early on from listening to all the libertarians that I really liked and reading the books written by the libertarians that I really liked One of my concerns was, boy, I don't know if Patrick Hayes, as a Christian, is going to fit in with this group really well. So tell me, you know, because my wife and I got to meet you and your wife and your kid. Uh, By the way, they were wonderful. Your wife is lovely. Um, Your kids are adorable. Uh, We really had a good time. My wife was chit-chatting my ear off the whole way home. 
uh, more than more than normal. Um, and she just loved your wife. She thought she was just the greatest person. Uh, and, you know, obviously, one of the things that um, made us feel real comfortable was that you and your wife are Christians, your Bible believe in Christians, and that made it a lot easier. But I'm going to say that's not what I ran into everywhere in the Libertarian Party. There are plenty of folks that aren't Bible believers, and that's fine. But um, tell me why the Christian should not be concerned to look at the Libertarian Party as a great place to live. As a Christian, you should not be concerned with the letter. Um, you should be concerned with what is your objective. My objective is to share the gospel, to raise disciples. Uh, as as a as an American, being given this opportunity to take part in politics, I I can find this opportunity to further my own objectives, which are Christ's objectives, in any party of my choosing. The Libertarian Party has the freedom to have different beliefs. And the people who show up and contribute to the party end up being the, the direction the party goes. The main principle of the Libertarian Party is the non-aggression principle. And as long as you believe in the non-aggression principle, you can be a Libertarian. And that principle is you will not force somebody to live or do a certain thing by the by the barrel of a gun. Mm -hmm. If you think that blue is the greatest color and somebody is wearing a green shirt and you point a gun at them and say, wear a blue shirt or I'll, or I'll kill you, you can't be a libertarian. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, that goes for things like gay marriage. Personally, I will never recognize your marriage and I won't and my church and, and my church won't marry you. But that doesn't mean mm -hmm. I think the government should put you in a cage for any period of time or tell you anything specifically about that that is violent against you. So I'd prefer the government get out of marriage and not pretend oh, yeah. like they they have a say in whether or not I'm married. That's between me and my wife before God. And I don't really care what the government has to say about it. A, a marriage license suggests they have the right to tell you no to getting married. And I don't recognize their right to do that either. So if you are fine with authoritarianism and you want to impose your will on others, the Libertarian Party is not for you. But if you are a Christian who respe respects individual freedom and prefers to win, to win win disciples based on conversations with them by loving your neighbor, by sacrificing yourself for others, just like Jesus did. He didn't impose his will on people. He, he shared the truth with them. Yeah. And, you know, something that you mentioned uh, as far as, you know, my favorite color is blue and yours is green and you can, you know, stick a gun in my face and force me to, to wear green instead of blue. You're not going to fit in as a libertarian. It's also not going to work if you vote for a government to stick their gun in someone's face to change those people to what you want. Uh, it's not okay if you do it. It's not okay if you get, uh, you know, the force of government to do it either. I think that's part of the idea that people don't seem to understand as far as libertarian goes. Um, that That's not what we're looking for. Is that correct? 
Right. And if you force someone to give them money so that it can fund your special program to feed the homeless or something, you're not doing what God said to go and love your neighbor. You are faking it and you are you have been misled into believing that you are doing anything benevolent. You know, you're stealing from somebody else. Robin Hood stealing from the rich and giving to the poor is not the same thing as just serving the poor. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let me ask you, we have a handful of issues that people probably want to know something about. <clears throat> and since far too many people in the world are single issue voters, some single issues that some people, you know, are certainly concerned about. So I think if there's Christians want to know about and they're concerned as far as how do the libertarian handle this, we should probably start with abortion. And after that, I'd also like to hear your views on adoption because I thought that was uh, interesting as well. So can you tell us the reason why, um, you know, the Bible works out just fine with the libertarian and, and the, um, and the uh, idea about abortion? Um, I believe life begins at conception and that you are made in the image of your creator and that whether or not you can defend yourself, whether you're, you're a potato and you're, and you are brain dead at 95 and they pull the plug or you are unborn and defenseless, that your life has value and that you deserve a defense because you were made in the image of your creator. It is some form of homicide or murder to kill people intentionally, whether with the assistance of a doctor or on your own. Um, and just it, 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 black and white, it's wrong to do that. So the current federal government is extremely pro-abortion. They spend a fortune on lots mm -hmm. of terrible things, including uh, abortions for military service members, instant VA coverage if you want to have an abortion, uh, sex change operations, all sorts of terrible. Uh, like we're taking tax dollars, your and my tax dollars, to spend on things we find abhorrent. And it's not a neutral situation. There's a lot to be stopped. On top of it, there's there's all these pretty terrible uses for embryonic stem cell research. And if you Google humanized mice, you'll find out that Dr. Fauci has his own program. I believe it's in Pennsylvania where they take embryos and graft them onto mice so that they can test drugs on those mice and get better data. That is all the abortion industry. It's like an abortion industrial complex, lots of money involved with the the trafficking of baby parts. Now, if they're not really babies, why is that so valuable to everybody? Mm. Uh, it was just actually there was there was a there was a video on the View, which is a TV show with old ladies talking about faces that infants were making in the womb after the mother ate different flavors, like spicy, bitter, etc. And they were laughing about how, like, oh, the baby's grimacing at vegetables. It's like, they all know these are babies. They all agree on it mm. sometime. 
They just want the right to kill the baby. And that's where I find my issue is that it's, it's, it's wrong to do it. So we shouldn't do it. And there's an incredible amount of money being spent in favor of this, this dark trade. And I'm completely against it. Unlike both of my opponents, I'm the only, I'm the only option on the ballot this November that believes that abortion is evil. So uh, tell me uh, what I, I hate to say this because I know I'm going to sound ignorant. What is the Republican candidate's name again? O'Day? Joe O'Day. O'Day. Where does he stand on abortion? It's like trying to nail Jella to a wall. <laughs> I feel like if I tell you his answer, that it will be different the next time he speaks. But oh, my, my belief is that he says whatever pulls the best. And okay. The answers are non-committal, but I I think he's okay with abortion up to twenty weeks. And I love when they name a number of weeks like that means anything, you know. Picking an arbitrary number like it's, like twenty is better than eighteen and worse than twenty-two. Like, give me. I mean, what does that mean? It means that they probably have consultants that said that this is what pulls the best. <laughs> Oh, brother. Why is it so hard for people to just say, look, it's either a life or it's not. And if it's not, kill it whenever you want. Who cares? It's not a life. But if it is a life, well, then guess what? We all are supposed to be afforded due process. End of story. I don't know why it's any. I I think we disagree on the value of life. I believe lives Mm -hmm. are valuable. Even even if you're the perfect human being, you're you know 30 years old, making a ton of money, you have several kids, and we can get almost everybody to agree your life is valuable. Mm-hmm. I think is I think that person's life is valuable for a different reason. Other people on the left side of things, atheists, they ultimately are Darwinists. They don't have a real reason to give value to that life. And if it is convenient to kill that person, they have no moral issue between like abortion and killing that person. It's a justification of why you can kill that person. So if you can come up with a reasonable justification for why their life doesn't matter or it's inconvenient for somebody, some kind of uh, it viol- it hurts a trans person, you know, now you can kill them. That they, they don't have a moral basis in their arguments and so their arguments can slide on a scale to to fit their needs it it takes a hard line of tying the life of the person to the creator to actually justify defending the life at all times even when it's inconvenient even if they have down syndrome even if um you you have to work really hard to keep them alive did you know that the number six Leading cause of death in Canada is assisted suicide. Wow. They say, hey, your cancer treatment, it'll take too long. You'll die painfully. You should just, you know, take the easy way out. That's legal in Canada. Mm-hmm. And it's becoming popular. And they create oh, yeah. this uh, argument for like, hey, your life's not worth living right now. Do you really want to go out that way? Let's just die. And, and, and you can do it legally with a doctor's help. And it and that's wrong. We know, we need to value lives at all stages in this in this world. 
or we will run into the same problem we ran into in World War II, where the value becomes meaningless and they can kill people for no reason, which, which happened in China, it happened in Russia, it happened in Germany. It can happen here unless we draw a red line in the sand and say, this is what we are doing and we're not letting you cross this line. Tell me, um, tell me your idea on adoption. Okay, so this is a very radical libertarian idea, but everybody so I talk to when I bring it up like says, oh yeah, that makes sense. So mm -hmm. ultimately, the perfect family is one loving father and one loving mother, and there is no adoption. Mm -hmm. There's no need for adoption. And my idea does not pretend that the world's perfect. Yeah. So in a world where we do have adoption and we look at the current broken system, it can easily cost tens of thousands of dollars to adopt a kid in the United States. And even so many people know this, that it's popular to adopt foreign children and bring them mm -hmm. into, into the United States. And many people don't know why. And the reason is, is because in America, if you adopt legally an American child, that mother may not come back into the kid's life. But should she choose to, it will almost always be heard by family court. And she can, she may be able to get that kid back as the mother of the child showing, oh, you know, my life is different or whatever. And it means that you have a lot of uncertainty adopting a child in America as the adopted parents. And, and we all agree that maybe the best situation is for a kid to be with his mother. We all agree with that. And that's why it's so easy for the mother of a child to go after an adopted kid and, and get it back if, the, if she wants to, or at least tie you up in court to try to get it back. But the uncertainty means that nobody wants to go after adopting a child because you say you don't have kids and you want to take care of a kid and raise it up as your own. Provide it with all the inheritance and your last name and everything. Having that one in a whatever chance that you're going to lose the child after caring for it for 10 years and loving it and, and raising it as your own just to have it taken from you. All at a cost, you know, you, you spend tens of thousands of dollars, you go through the process, you're, you're adopted the child, great for you. There's also this risk at you know any point it could be taken away from you. It's easier to just go abroad because a Chinese baby or an African baby or a baby from somewhere else, it's way harder for that mother to come after the child. So as, as, as well as being just about the same price or cheaper. So you get more confidence that the child is yours. And for that reason, it's very popular to go out of, out of country. All, meanwhile, there's lots of children that need to be adopted in, in this country that are in the foster system and would love to have a loving home. Um, but it costs a lot of money and there's a lot of risk involved. And so it doesn't, it's the rate of, ex, of adoption is not as high as it could be or should be. Uh, on top of it, you are totally good with surrogacy in this country. You can rent a, rent a womb like you rent a car. As long as you put your own baby in it, heck, it doesn't even have to be your own baby. 
you can you can like go get an egg and a sperm and put it in a surrogate and then that's your kid and you can pay the mother for that that's legal but what you can't do is pay that mother for her kid so say there's a mother that that can't afford a kid and is going to abort it you can't offer her 20 grand and say hey give me that kid i want it put your body through this pregnancy deliver this baby and i'll buy it that sounds really weird but you're allowed to pay women to, for pregnancy already you just can't pay for their pregnancy well, and think of this, anyone that's gone through the process is planning on spending thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars to adopt a kid in any state in America. It is a long, hard, sometimes complicated, but always expensive process. People are expecting to pay money anyhow, but the money doesn't go toward uh, the, the woman who is saying, I don't know if I can raise this kid you know, we, I don't have the means. It's a bad time in my life. I'm too young, whatever. So she can't get the money to help her in her life, but we're allowed to write a check to a state or a, an agency that works for a state. Yeah. You can pay $30,000 to attorneys, but that poor 16 year old yeah. girl can't get a dime. Nope. Can't get and, anything. And for everybody who says this is messy or doesn't like the idea mm -hmm. when they first hear about it, what you're fine with the abortion? Yeah. Like you're fine, with killing, you're fine with killing the baby. Like, is it, is it worse to kill the baby or, you know, the mom gets 10 grand and you, and the baby's alive and, mm -hmm. and the adoptive and, parents have kid have a kid they want. Mm -hmm. It wouldn't be the perfect system because we'd still have adoption and that a zero adoption policy with loving parents all around would be the best solution but it is an improvement on the current system, which raises, you know, poverty stricken criminals often because the system's corrupt and difficult and ineffective. The foster system is, is a weird child farm type system where there are some really great foster parents and some really terrible foster parents and all run by the state. The reason why the system is terrible is not because of the people involved. They're a product of a bad system created by the government. Yeah, so that adoption would uh, would definitely have a chance of fixing a lot of those problems. And it would give people a reason not to have an abortion, possibly, you know, incentivize them to keep the child alive and give it to a family that wants a kid that can't have one anyhow. Okay, let's uh, let's move on to uh, my favorite topic, which uh, a lot of folks that listen here want to hear about gun rights. So um, my concern has always been that there is a group of folks a couple thousand miles away from me sitting in a room somewhere uh, hashing out what my rights should be when owning a firearm buying it, buying how many, the ammunition, the accessories that can go with the firearm. And they all want to say that, uh, you know, this is what we've come up with. A 16-inch barrel length on a rifle is fine, but 15 inches and 7 eighths is illegal. And that's what we're, that's, you know, where we laid it down. So uh, you better not be caught 
a uh, a shotgun that is uh, shy of 16 inches. Otherwise, we're fine with driving up to northern Idaho with a bunch of guys in windbreakers and murdering you and your whole family. You know, and if that sounds like, you know, something that actually happened a while ago, so be it. So tell me what your thoughts are on gun rights. I believe that shall not be infringed means that everything that the ATF does is illegal. Amen. That background checks, assault rifle bans, everything. They have no right to infringe upon the right to bear arms. It was like 1970 when you could walk into a hardware store and buy a machine gun. <laughs> find find somebody old enough to remember that. That was a thing. You could go buy a machine gun. Mm -hmm. We have lost so many of our rights in the last 50 years, and many people don't even know those rights ever existed. I don't want to see that continue to happen and be, be at the point where no one has guns and people can't remember the time they used to have guns. That's crazy. I'll tell you what, um, I'm never registering or doing anything that the government wants to ask me to do for any reason. You know, there's none of your business. You work for me. And I have the right to defend myself. I would very much support banning the ATF. I'm against red flag laws. You should have the right to own a tank. If you commit a, a, felony, a felony with any of those items, you can be prosecuted for that felony. You know, murder with a gun is no different than murder with a knife. And to be honest, right. if they ban guns, they, they can't keep drugs out of prisons. There's mm -hmm. 400 million guns in this country. Any criminal that ever wants a gun for the next thousand years will be able to get one. They could 3D mm -hmm. print it. They could buy it in cash. They could buy it with Bitcoin. They could steal it from the cops. Mm -hmm. They will be able to find it. You know who will have issues is the law-abiding citizens. And I'm the only person on the ballot that I'm aware of that will come out and say red flag laws are unconstitutional and should never happen. When you ask Joe Day about it, you get a very long answer that I don't remember, but it's not clear. It's not direct. The answer is no. So um, something else that I, well, let, let's, let, let's start here. Tell me some of the purposes of owning a firearm. There are lots of them. But give us a couple of ideas here for people to take home and chew on. What are the reasons you're supposed to be allowed to own firearms? When seconds count, police are minutes away. That's an old saying, but it's true. Somebody breaks in your house and they want to be violent against you. If you are not stronger than them, or they are armed, you are at a disadvantage and you could die. Um, go ahead and call 911. They may be there in a couple minutes and you might be dead or bleeding. So home defense, defense in your car, defense on the street. Uh, for so many of these mass shootings are at schools because criminals know that schools are gun-free zones. So they drive someplace where they know they won't get shot at immediately. Mm -hmm. They have defenseless targets. I'll tell you, I'll tell you that if, if somebody started a mass shooting event within 25 yards of me, they better watch out because they'll get shot. Mm -hmm. 
And that happens all the time across the country where like in Indiana, this, this young man brought a gun into a mall and stopped a mass shooting within a couple of minutes. Mm-hmm. The police wouldn't have been there for who knows, five minutes, something like that. Many people would have it died. Was, it was 15 seconds. Yeah. He just gunned him down. He just pulled out his gun and stopped it. Yep. Immediately. And that's, that's the solution to evil is personal self-defense. Uh, secondly is, you know, the Nazis disarmed the Jews before they took them away. Mm-hmm. If the state's coming after you, you got to be able to defend yourself. And, uh, People think that's crazy, but a bunch of Afghanis have defeated both the Russian Empire and the American Empire with nothing but AK-47s. Mm-hmm. It can be done. All you need is a will to fight, and maybe you don't have that will to fight. But that, you know, I can't help that. I do. Well, with those ideas, <clears throat> that gives people a little bit of a uh, different perspective on it. Because so many people seem to think that, well, you know, guns are for hunting, and they are. Guns are for collecting, and they are. Guns are for sport. And let's face it, we win gold medals in every Olympics for shooting. Did you know that? Did you know the most successful athlete in American history is a uh, a female in her 20s that wins gold medals constantly f- with her shotgun? I mean, more than anyone could pick up and carry at one time. But the whole reason that I'm interested in the Second Amendment is uh, the idea that the only way to stop a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun. So therefore, it's important to me that we're able to get these guns into the hands of the people that need them. And let me ask you this, because something that's always bothered me is that if you commit a felony, they can tell you that, guess what? You are no longer allowed to protect your wife and children from a home invader because you committed a felony. You've paid your debt to society. You're a free man again. You're working a job. You got a family. And you are not allowed to have a gun in the house. Tell me what you think about that. There should be no second-class citizens in America. You should be allowed to have a firearm if you are allowed out in society. Now, Democrats will go in a weird direction and say, you are a criminal. You've killed somebody, but you can go out on the street like six months later. Or you only robbed the store of $950. We're not going to arrest you. There's all sorts of crimes where they just let you out on the street and having criminals out on the street. But at the same time, they don't want you to be able to defend yourself from these criminals. Mm. And, and on the point of ex-cons, they're usually in a position of living in a place with higher crime in the first place. Like they get let out of prison and they're someplace dangerous already. And then they can't defend themselves. You know, are they reformed or not? Did they pay their price to society or not? If sh- if they have, they should have the ability. They're already going to have a tough time getting a job. They're already going to mm-hmm. have a tough time with everything else. Mm-hmm. They should have their rights as an American citizen back. And that includes mm-hmm. the right. I agree. Back, including voting. Yeah. Voting for sure. You shouldn't reason, lose that just because we, you made a mistake or one dumb decision. The reason why we take the rights away is because I can't vote. 
So we take away the right to own a gun. We take away whatever we want because they, they're they not a voting block. Who cares what they think? Mm. So we, we so need I'll, to get that back for them. I'll tell you this, and I think I think politicians need to bring it up more often. If you are against the Second Amendment, if you are in favor of gun laws, then you hate women, minorities, poor people, period. You hate those groups. Those are the groups that suffer when they are not able to protect themselves disproportionately to any other group. You take away guns from American citizens. You are taking away guns from women, poor people, and minorities. Well, I, to some extent, uh, your gun laws don't matter. I mean, look at Chicago. It's like it's like mm-hmm. Iraq. It's it's like Juarez. <laughs> it's illegal to have guns in Mexico, yet you know the cartels don't seem to have any problems. Yep. It's it's almost impossible to have a gun in Chicago, and yet there's like open mm-hmm. fighting with guns on the street in broad daylight. Yeah. Yep, they average over one uh, gun death every day in Chicago every year in a city that is so locked down, we can't get guns. So George Floyd gets a gold casket, but those other people that die in black-on-black violence in Southside Chicago where it's illegal to have guns in the first place, they don't get one minute of airtime, and that's a a tragedy. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, we could talk Second Amendment all night, and I'd certainly like to, but I want to keep moving to give some folks uh, a couple other ideas here. Uh, Let's go over uh, another issue that I know a lot of uh, conservative Republicans or former Republicans think about. Uh, Can we talk about election integrity? I know that's a hot-button issue currently. Absolutely. Uh, Our elections are not perfect. We have a system made by people, and these people are politicians. Their system is not perfect, just like the DMV is not perfect. And we were all there on election night when they stopped counting in five states, and then a couple hours later, everything switched. Uh, There were plenty of things that were completely illegal, that were ruled illegal too late for it to matter. For example, in Wisconsin, they mailed out mail-in ballots where they were explicitly not allowed to do that. The governor just said, we're doing it anyways because of COVID. Then in 2022, the Wisconsin Supreme Court says, yeah, that was illegal. You can't do that. So there won't be mail-in ballots this November unless that's changed in recent times because I'm not always up to date. But the last thing I saw is that there won't be mail-in ballots this time. But in 2020, whole state got them. That act costs Donald Trump Wisconsin. And it was it was ruled illegal and then too late. Now what do you do about it? Well, when you have a law, and you just choose to ignore it because of whatever reason, then the society doesn't really exist under the structure we believe it exists in, where there's right and wrong, things you can and can't do. You know, the politicians checking with the lawyers and, and you know, oh, we can do this, we can't do that. If the answer is, hey, we got this, um, this magic word, COVID, that we just do whatever we want. 
then we don't really have a society built on law. We have an authoritarian society whose limits are based on the public sentiment. So I still believe we got control over the government in the form of most people are against something and it polls badly. The politician will say, we're not going to do that. You know, we have some control over, over the politicians that way, but if they can just break laws and not be held accountable, then we really don't have much of a, a democracy or a republic anymore. So in terms of election integrity, I do believe that mail-in ballots are a terrible system. Any system that trusts the USPS to deliver product and track everything perfectly is bad to begin with. But on top of it, I, I knocked on several doors where people have told me they've broken the law. They say, yeah, I voted for my husband. He was on a work trip. I, I walked through the ballot with him and signed it and turned it in for him because he was gone. And just tell you that like it's no big deal like that's not a felony or i don't even i don't even know if that mis misdemeanor felony whatever but it's definitely illegal mm -hmm. and having somebody show up on a single day would be a better system there wouldn't be a month of ballots floating around that could be messed with right like whether they are messed with or not the fact that they're out floating around for a month untraceable means that a lot of funny business can happen. So I know for a fact I could go to an apartment complex dumpster on the day ballots come out and pick ballots out of the dumpster because some people will throw them away. And then I know for a fact that I signed a squiggle for my name and my ballot was accepted. So the signature verification is not perfect. I was expecting to get my, well, I was testing to see if I'd get my ballot rejected. It wasn't. I just went literally like this. Mm -hmm. up and down lines works so a, a, an id to prove who you are mandatory vote same day voting without mail-in ballots would be a better system that's more accurate less less open to fraud and when people say things like i don't want to wait in line that that what that means to me is you don't care enough about your vote and i'd prefer you don't vote I don't want everybody to vote. If you don't care enough to, to figure out who you're voting for or what matters in this country, or really like you, 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 your vote shouldn't count. You know, you, you are white noise on the system and you are probably not helping direct this country in any way. So I prefer everybody become an educated voter and vote the way they want to vote. But if they're not going to do that, they don't have the time to stand in line for an hour. I'd rather you stay home. Rather you go do something, right? Like, that's just my opinion. So election integrity is, of course, people are trying to game the system. They always try to game the system. Democrats, especially in Colorado, say we have the perfect system. And when a politician <laughs> tells you something's perfect, you should go, hey, that's my first sign that like this is obviously something could be wrong here or at least like they don't want us to look. So we should look. Yeah. It we means should. it's beneficial for them. That's yeah, we what should. we have. The perfect system means. We, we should definitely audit our systems and we should audit the Fed. We should audit the Pentagon. We should audit, audit our vote counting machines. Why do we even need a third party corporation counting our ballots? 
I don't think the government should do basically anything, but if there was one thing they should do, it should probably be count ballots. That's, it's just, I don't know. It, the company, I'm not going to say their names. I don't want to get sued, but the companies <laughs> all donate to one party. And that's, that's Joe Biden's party. If, if at a minimum we could make it fair and say, uh, no individual working at that company or that company can donate to any political party because they count votes. That would at least appear more fair than it does. But I, I, I still think that, you know, the government counting votes is, you know, they could do it by hand. I don't care if you're efficient at counting votes. You know, that France and Italy can do it in, a, in one night. So, you know, we we waste so many billions bombing random countries around the world. I don't care what it costs to count votes. That's not the that's not the large poll in this tent. You know, there's a lot of other places we can save trillions and trillions of dollars before we get to this amount. So also it Democrats talking about how much it would cost to count votes by hands. Like you guys don't care about what anything costs. You guys yeah. you would literally spend any amount of money on anything. <laughs> literally pallets of cash sent to other countries 60 billion dollars sent to ukraine and the day it shows up everyone says i don't know where it went and we're concerned about paying a handful of people you know <laughs> yeah. money for one day's work I mean. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna give 80 billion dollars to ukraine and you don't yeah. and you know five million dollars to count votes is a big deal okay yeah Okay, so let's let's talk about another one here. Um, let's go ahead and talk about money. Now, the reason that I want to talk about money, and if you'd give me just a second to kind of preface this, um, <clears throat> I, I took some blood pressure medication pr um, prophylactically uh, for this conversation. The reason that I uh, will not consider myself a Republican, the reason I consider myself a Libertarian, the reason I don't uh, vote for Republican candidates or support the Republican party is basically they're a bunch of big, fat, stupid liars. Um, I've been told over and over and over again that, you know, we're going to make the government smaller and we are not going to spend money and we are going to cut taxes and we're going to cut spending. And then it doesn't happen. And usually what I see is that they absolutely spend money that we don't have year after year. And they always make an excuse. Oh, we had to do it this time or there was an emergency or whatever the case, it doesn't matter. But we are constantly printing money, spending money we don't have. We're not balancing a budget. There's no balanced budget amendment in the Constitution, and therefore we're fine with just going absolutely crazy with spending money. Now, I don't know. Okay, so let's do some quick math, and it's so easy. The first round of spending to Ukraine, one single time we send $60 billion. Do you know how many people there are in America? It's just a little over $300 million right? Do you know that if you took 300 million Americans and took their mortgage payment, now I know that not all 300 million Americans have a mortgage because some of them are infants and toddlers, but just for easy numbers, you take the average mortgage payment in America uh, or the average mortgage of $200,000, guess what 300 million people times $200,000 equals? 
it equals $60 billion. We could have taken the same amount of money and just said, everyone gets their house paid for. What do you think of that for a stimulus package? And I'm not saying that we should do that. Please understand. But I think it would have gone a lot further than sending it to another country and losing it all. That's how bad of a mistake America just made with spending money that we don't have. It infuriates me to no end that I work so hard for my money, the government decides that it's their money and they're going to take as much of it as they can and give me back some of it. And then they're going to shake their finger at me and tell me that I don't love America because I want to keep my own money. Then they're going to devalue my money by just printing more and more of it. And they're going to sell my children and my grandchildren into slavery because all this money that I've worked hard to earn and invest is now going to be worthless. I, I can't get over it. This is, that is why I hate the Republican Party is because of this issue money, because they're no better than the Democrats. The, the, the Republicans spending money are simply the Democrats driving the speed limit. That's all they are. They're just a little bit slower. I've taken enough time. Your your thoughts, Brian? With the exception of Ron Paul. May yeah, give it all. May he live forever. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I heard uh, I heard a gentleman that was talking about how uh, he grew up over in England, and every time, um, oh, what's his name? Every time Winston Churchill's name was mentioned. He said every room they were in, everyone would put their hand over their heart and raise a glass. And I feel like we need to start doing that for Ron Paul whenever his name is mentioned. We have a brief moment of silence and raise a glass. Go ahead. Please continue. I don't think what the U.S. government has done is any different than any other government in, the, in, this, in history with the same doing the same thing it's we have the opportunity to take out debt that will be paid off after i am out of office but it will make me popular today so i will do this and it will be that guy's problem to kick the can down the road you know if you have a monarchy you actually are better on this issue of money because supposedly you don't want to hand down a mess to your kids. So you are incentivized to create a little bit of fiscal responsibility to hand down to your kids. That didn't obviously always happen in across history, but it does better than democracies a lot of the time. And the United States government has no incentive to deal with their problems today because the United States government will be out of office by the time it crashes. And everybody hopes that it, it's another 50 years away. It could be next year. It could be in a decade. I've been thinking it was going to happen already for at least a decade. So I'm definitely not Nostradamus on when the inflation spiral will eventually happen. But there is absolutely no doubt in my mind that they do not intend to pay off anything to do with this debt with real money. They will print their way out of this problem. 
and ultimately reset the currency. That's what Mexico has done. I mean, there's the list of countries that made their currency valueless and then came out with a new currency to reset the value of their currency is an an endless list. It's a huge list. Like That's what we're going to do too. I don't know when. And I don't know if it'll be a digital dollar, if it will be just a renamed dollar. People in charge obviously want to get rid of cash. Uh, Number one reason for that is because small businesses and individual contractors and waitresses hide income tax in the form of cash. You know, you've had a restaurant for 30 years and it's never made a profit. Who knew? Mm -hmm. Always broke even. You know, there's a lot of businesses like that in America. And getting rid of cash will put people out of business or force them to to pay giant amounts of taxes they never paid before. Massively hurt the lower and middle classes. So what I would prefer is that we have market-based interest rates. Currently, we have a government fixed interest rate, and that is not normal. It's like when the government tried to fix the price of gas in the 1970s, or any government has fixed prices on anything. You create supply issues. If the price is below market value, you get too much demand. If the market rate of interest should be higher than the set fixed price of interest, then you get uh, misallocated capital in the form of loans going to things that should not be invested in. Because what the interest rate is, is the time value of money. And when you set it too low below the market rate, what you're saying is uh, that people are valuing savings differently than the interest rate says they are saving. And the differential between what people are actually saving and the actual amount of savings in the bank versus the amount of loans created gets out of whack and put into longer term investments than would the market would typically do. So you'd get a, a, a return on investment in 10 years on something because the interest rate was, you know, 2%. Had the market rate been 5%, you wouldn't have borrowed the money and built that factory and built and made that thing. So telling the market the wrong information with fixed priced interest rates means you make bad investments that the market doesn't really support. And then you get bubbles that burst, whether that be a tech bubble or a housing bubble or anything, you know, where, wherever the financialized, uh, in, like wherever the extra money goes when they financialize the, the system, like when people take out loans, uh, interest rates that are too low for the market and invest in things that the market doesn't really want, that creates the bubble burst depression cycle. Uh, the Great Depression happened right the, the decade after we created the Federal Reserve, and that's not a coincidence. The boom and bust cycle prior to the Federal Reserve was much smaller and much more localized to specific industries. Yeah, and the Fed. If you haven't read that book, you can probably get it on audiobook or PDF or at a local library. All of those are free options. Or you should support Ron Baum and buy that book. But ultimately, it is a private company that sets interest rates of money and, and doles out loans in a way that's not free market. And that is bad for the whole economy. That's bad for everybody. 
and we have lost control of our money. Money should be bet. And real quick, I should add, if any other individual company, privately owned company did what the Fed does and what the government does every single day, it's called fraud and you are thrown in federal prison. It is only the Federal Reserve, which is not part of the United States government. The Federal Reserve is as much of the federal government as Federal Express or Federal Shotgun Shells is. It's not at all. But the Federal Reserve, a private bank, and the U.S. government are the only two entities that are allowed to commit fraud day after day with no repercussions. Forgive me for interrupting. The the other book you can read is The Creature from Jekyll Island, and it talks about the creation of the Fed. You know, J.P. Morgan and several other bankers got together and saved the U.S. government from bankruptcy and then said, hey, we should just have a central bank and it should be a private bank. And you can appoint certain people to our board of directors from the government to have a say on the board, but it'll be a private bank. And ever since we've had that bank, it's called the Federal Reserve Bank. And your money says Federal Reserve note on it. Uh, it used to say, uh, used to say, uh, one dollar redeemable for legal tender at any bank, and you could literally trade it in for gold at any bank by law. They had to give you gold. And okay, so, so go ahead, go ahead, please don't. To, fin- to finish, to finish that, I don't want the government to to set a U.S. dollar against gold. I would prefer we have a market-based solution of legal tenders competing with each other. And especially in this digital age, it could be a Bitcoin type solution Mm -hmm. that I don't think that we need to have a a federal income tax and a federal currency. But if we did have to have a federal currency, I'd prefer it be cash and redeemable by a hard asset like gold. That would be a better system. Oh, Brian. There you are. Hey, say that last statement again. Forgive me. It cut out for one second. I didn't hear you. I don't know if everyone at home did. If we did have to have a federal currency, I'd prefer it be a hard asset like gold because it's hard to print mm-hmm. gold. Mm-hmm. Believe me, I've tried. Yeah. And I'll I'll say, <laughs> along with Ron Paul, may he live live forever, I will say long live Bitcoin. Okay. So I want to give you some numbers and you can bring these up, but do the math really quick. The U.S. national debt is $31 trillion. I mean, it's going to be by the time this podcast is over. That is worse than if you formed a company 10,000 years ago. So you form a company 10,000 years ago, and that company loses $1 million a day for 10,000 straight years. At the end of that, you are 10 times better off than the United States government. To give everyone an idea of the incompetency of the people running this circus, you would be better off losing a million dollars a day for 10,000 years than the United States government is today. So if, if the options are we cut down on spending and increase taxes and just pay off the debt, or you print. So you don't have, you could just print $31 trillion IOU and send it to your bondholders. 
Sure. But a, 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 a solution they'll probably come up with is, well, let's financialize the debt by printing it off, you know, 3% a year. You know, we just have to go further than the spending with inflation and paying off this debt, right? So uh, mm-hmm. say we spend at a deficit of a trillion dollars, we print a trillion and a hundred million dollars and the extra hundred million mm-hmm. goes back to paying. I don't know. They do it on the margins until we get to the point that inflation actually hits home and there's riots in the streets. Yep. And everybody it'll get loses, fixed. Then everybody loses their jobs and mm-hmm. you get a, a hardline dictator that comes in and we can, it could just be like Venezuela. Like, yeah, Venezuela has elections. <laughs> so, so does Belarus. <laughs> yeah. Venezuela has 99% support for their leader every time. And, and you know, it was like 20 years ago. It was a nice country. They produced a lot of oil. They actually have the most oil of any country on earth, more than Saudi Arabia, yep. more than Russia, more than, than the United States. Mm-hmm. Go to Wikipedia and look it up. Most known reserves mm-hmm. of any country, it's Venezuela. They could be the richest country on earth. They shot Easily. themselves in both feet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, so <clears throat> let us, before our hour is coming to an end, I, I, I left two issues that... Um, maybe are a little uncomfortable for some libertarians to get into, but I wanted to give people, you know, just an idea and round off the conversation. Something that a lot of folks maybe aren't used to is the stance on foreign wars. Can you give us your idea on foreign wars and why? Because we seem to like war in this country. I mean, you know, we're told regularly that they're all necessary, every single one of them. But we jump into one, you know, it's almost like we go looking for them. Tell us your thoughts on war. George Washington, our first president, was by far the most respected person alive in America when he he was president and at the end of the war. You can't mm-hmm. compare his stature and respect to anybody for a lifetime. It, it took more than a generation for anybody to ever write a word against him. Like he was revered. <laughs> that doesn't mean he was perfect. I'm not going to talk mm-hmm. about all the problems the guy may have had. One of the wonderful things George Washington said was during his farewell address, avoid entangling alliances. Basically, stay out of foreign affairs. We don't need to do what Britain and France and Germany, so many other countries around the world did, where we would go and colonize places and fight wars with each other over land. We had America mm-hmm. all to ourselves. Well, there were some Native Americans, but you know, didn't involve the, the, the European nations at the time. Focus on that. Be peaceful, be productive. And, you know, don't don't go out and murder our youth. So war war is not something we can always avoid, but it is something we don't want. 
you know, sending out the flower of our youth to die is not a desirable thing. World War II and the and the millions of lives lost around the world was not a good thing. It, so what? Whatever the whatever happened to the United States GDP because of World War II is not worth the lives lost. You know, many families were broken. Many kids grew up without fathers, and for a cost. There was there was a reward. We won, we won we won we won the war, and perhaps the entire war was justified because of being attacked in in Japan. But it's not a good thing. We don't want to do it. It's not something we need to go seek. Um, nation building has not proven to make the world a better place. So when Hillary Clinton went after Omar Gaddafi or Momar. And killed him. No more. She did not make Libya a safe, wonderful place. It has no, been and, and, it has been way worse and, than when he was yeah. there. And and no one is saying he was a good guy. Nobody. <laughs> There's not someone on earth that thinks he was wonderful. What what I am saying is that it was none of our business. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> You know, the Americans traveling through Libya would have been our business. Mm -hmm. But the, who leads that country and what they do, if, if it doesn't affect us, it is not our business. It is better for us to trade with people freely and to avoid conflict. And, and for conflict like the war in Ukraine, we should be seeking peace. You know, it was about 100 years ago, Russia went to war with Japan. And Teddy Roosevelt settled the peace between Russia and Japan. He played third neutral party to the peace talks. And America was seen as a good referee to, to lead the peace talks. Same thing, you know, it's none of our business what goes on in Ukraine and Russia. We have made it our business and funded them and played with their politics and antagonized Russia. We should be trying to set a peace talk between them and try to resolve the situation. Since Russia invaded Ukraine, we have not met with Russia's foreign minister. We've cut off all communication with the largest nuclear power on Earth. That's a bad thing. World War III would be a bad thing. We should seek peace. You know, um, what's the Bible say about peacekeepers? I don't want to bless the peacekeepers. Is it really just blessed are the peacekeepers? Yeah, I will look it up in two seconds here. But yeah, yeah. well, it's during the Sermon on the Mount. So it's blessed yeah. everybody. Yeah. yeah, but that's, you know, that's one of them. So hold on. Let's see, Matthew. So I like imagine um, there's a terrorist that killed a bunch of people in Mexico and he's in America mm -hmm. now. And Mexico sends a drone to blow them up. Mm -hmm. Would we be okay with that? You know, they, they send a drone and blow up a truck going across Texas in our country. No, we would, we would absolutely not be okay with that. And just because there's somebody who harmed us does not give us the right to go in any country we see as fit to go into, whether that be Yemen or Syria or Lebanon or whatever, and blow somebody up there. You know, we, we did so in so many countries in the Middle East without the permission of the country, like we did 
So in, in Pakistan, without permission of Pakistan's government, we went and took out bin Laden. We all wanted to, to bring bin Laden to justice, but we invaded Pakistani's sovereign pro- uh, airspace and property to go do it. And no one ever brings up the fact that like we didn't tell them about it or ask permission. We just did it. We treated them like they were our, our property. So anyway, foreign wars are bad. Spending money and blood is a big deal. And we need a real justification to do it. And uh, a couple of terrorists from Saudi Arabia blowing up some buildings in New York is not justification to invade Iraq. Even if even if uh, Saddam Hussein had nuclear weapons that he had not threatened us with, that is not a reason to invade Iraq. Thousands of Americans died, and I don't know why. I honestly have no idea why we went there or what we got out of it. Or, you know, it seems like we we burned fire or sorry, we burned cash in a giant fire and we lost a bunch of young American lives and many more thousands are traumatized or injured for the rest of their lives. So it's an idea that is new to a lot of people and a lot of folks struggle with that simply because they love America and they're patriotic. We have this idea that anything that we go and do must also be good and patriotic. And the fact is every war we get into is not good and it's not helpful or beneficial to our country. And sometimes it's not going to be helpful or beneficial to any country. Always be mindful of the propaganda, you know, people in power do bad things and then they say it in a way that makes them sound like the good guy. So we can be a patriotic American and defend this country without defending what our politicians do. You know, Obama killed some kid in Syria. That wasn't me. Mm-hmm. That was wrong. And I do, I do not represent what the government did. I can still be a patriotic American and condemn that act. Okay, so... Other than wars, we're going to give you the last issue here, which is a tough one for some people to wrap their minds around. But also, I'm not sure where you stand on this, so I'm interested. U.S. borders. I know some libertarians have some different views. Let's hear yours. So in a world we don't live in, but the ideal world... Mm-hmm. It's all private property and we don't need borders. Mm-hmm. But in this world where we do live in, where there is all this public space where illegals can come in and be on public land and take public benefits, welfare, food stamps, they are, they are, are stealing from everybody else, from the public. That is wrong. And I want to put an end to that. Uh, You make it so that, uh, so I think if I, if I was in Congress, I would vote to support a wall and have very strict border enforcement, but I would push to get us to a place where somebody coming in illegally could not just automatically get citizenship and 
for their kids if they're born here or benefits or or steal from the public live on public land you know they they got to live somewhere they got to have a job they got to get a green card they got to go through the process legally and then at that point you don't need border enforcement because they can't come here to get free stuff and on top of it uh immigration in general just because you share a border doesn't mean those are the immigrants we would choose we can decide who we let in there's 7 billion people that would like to live here or 6.8 or something right <laughs> we can't sure. take all we can't take all of them but we can choose Clear. who we take mm -hmm. and I, I would prefer they learn our constitution believe in the principles that we built this country on and have a plan for how they're going to feed themselves and provide for themselves. And then they can come here to a limit that we think we can manage. You know, we have a lot of space in this country, but is that 1% of the population a year can come in as immigrants and be incorporated into our country? Or is that 2%? I, I don't know what the right answer, whatever the government would decide would be the wrong answer. <laughs> it would be, I, I, I would like some help from a libertarian to come up with a market-based approach to figuring that out. Uh, but we need to have a filter for who comes in and an upper limit for how many we can take so that we can incorporate them into our society in, in a functional way and be able to send them back and keep them out if they don't belong here. So rich people, otherwise known as politicians, aren't affected by the fact that there are murderers that get sent back to Mexico and then just walk across the border. And then they're walking around in, you know, LA and, and they, they basically don't have to go to prison because they're illegal immigrants. So they can commit crimes almost freely, but those in gated communities don't really care because it doesn't affect them. They can keep them out of their gated communities. Their life is safe. You know, their kids go to private school in limos. Who cares? Uh, that type of thing needs to be stopped. If you are an illegal and you commit murder, either we need to figure out how to hold you in prison or put you to death or send you back in a way where you can't make it back into the country. You know, we're not managing a serious problem by simply putting them back in Mexico and letting them walk their way back across the border. You know, there's... That's that's a really we don't want murderers walking around in the streets. We want a way to deal with them and keep them out of society and keep people safe. Um, but there's also a lot to be done with prison reform. I'm not saying that just throwing someone in prison fixes our world. So <clears throat> we're coming to the end of the hour, but I do want to throw this out there just because I want you to chew on it. Okay, this is this has. Pl please understand, I am speaking as Patrick Hayes, um, the uh, the founder of the Bible Thumper podcast. This in no way reflects the beliefs of our Colorado senatorial candidate for the Libertarian Party, Brian Piotr. But I want you to consider this because I've talked to a few other Libertarians about this, and it's an idea that not many, I think, have heard of or considered. Okay, so for me. <clears throat> the way I think we need to go is I think we need to abolish prisons and jails. 
Now, I know that this is a radical idea, but we're libertarians. <laughs> That's where we find comfort, right? In different ideas. The reason for this is that you do not find prisons or jails in one place that's very important to me, and that is in the Bible. God never set up a system of justice that entailed a custodial sentence. You find that God said there are two types of criminals. There is one type of criminal that is so bad that they need to be eliminated from society forever, and God used the death penalty for that. And the death penalty was horrid, it was public, it was violent, and it was ugly. And what it was used for was to strike fear into the heart of the remainder of society so that people would never want to commit those crimes uh, for fear of uh, being executed publicly in such a manner. And that was done by stoning. And I don't expect I'm going to get my way that America is going to take up stoning. But even if we went back to hanging people in the public square like they did back in the days uh, of the cowboys in the Wild West, uh, when they would literally let the schools out and have everyone come together and watch the hanging of these criminals. So that was one thing. When you find someone that is so bad, they need to be eliminated from society. Number two, there is a punishment that is enacted on that person and they pay for the penalty of their crime and then they go back to their life. But those are the only two things you find. You never find a custodial sentence given by God to the nation of Israel anywhere in the Bible. Now, we read about prisons in the Bible, but they are Roman prisons and, and there were Greek prisons and Babylonian and Persian. But as far as God's system of justice, he said, there's a group of people we need to eliminate, and then there's a group of people that need to pay their debt to society, and then they need to get right back to their life, and that's it. So I take a little bit of a different approach as far as I, I see prison reform the same way as I see public education or government schooling reform. Eliminate it. There. It's fixed. Um, but I just want you to... I just wanted to bring that up so you'd have something to uh, chew on and uh, think about. And while you're talking with other libertarian folks around this great state of Colorado, you can chit chat with them and, and uh, I don't know, throw that out on the porch and see if the cat licks it up. You should, uh, if you're, if you think that's an interesting topic, Google ethics of Liberty by Murray Rothbard. There's a PDF version. You can read it for free. There's a chapter in there on how private prisons could function uh, basically similar to what you said is that the perpetrator pays the victim mm -hmm. and if he doesn't, he or she doesn't have money or the victim can't reach an agreement, then adjudication on what kind of sentence is made and mm -hmm. the person's sentence is used to pay off the victim. Absolutely. So because right now restitution is not made to the victim ever. So, so the, it's supposed to be, but it's not. The, the the public doesn't shouldn't have to pay a penny for it. A private mm -hmm. prison today is not what you what you would have. A private prison today is the government paying a private in private prison to do what the government does. A real private prison could be, say, there's an, a, law, a lawyer who committed a murder. Mm -hmm. He could be locked up in a cage and doing lawyer work. 
Sure. With all of the earnings, paying back the mm -hmm. victims of the murder mm -hmm. until a price is set or, you know, whatever's paid, whatever's agreed on, or, you know, the prison taking a cut out of the pay to, to pay for Cover their, the overhead. their overhead and their, their profit. And it wouldn't have to be, you have to go to this prison. It could be the lawyer picks among the different prisons based on the deal they give the accommodations mm -hmm. they have, the type of prison it's going to be with the whole goal being like you're, you have to go to one of these prisons and you're going to be paying off your victim. Mm -hmm. And that way there's no prison system run by the government and paid for by the government. Mm -hmm. it, it could be hey, enforced. I like it. It's a step in the right direction. Anytime you can remove the government from running something, I'm in favor of it. Let's start with that and then we'll figure out what's better afterward. Let's just immediately go with that. I don't even care what the idea is. Oh, the government's not going to be involved? Great, do it. You know, it's going to be better. It, it couldn't right. be any worse. Right. The and government can mess up the mock fight. And you have geniuses in prison for whatever reasons, you know, mm -hmm. making license plates. What yeah. a waste of their skills. Like, you know, yeah. maybe the accountant who got caught doing fraud doesn't do accounting, but he could do data entry, you know, like... There's, there's a million yeah. things you could do along those lines if you had more freedom than just holding them in a cell and letting them watch TV while I pay for it. I wasn't involved in yeah. the, the crime at all. Why am I getting charged? Part for of the punishment. Crime? Yeah. So, okay. Go ahead, Brian. Any closing comments before we uh, let you go? Uh, let me just tell you that we very much appreciate you coming on here. I certainly wish you the best of luck in this upcoming November's election. My wife and I will both uh, be voting for you, and we are certainly telling other folks to. I hope other folks will get on. Uh, I'm going to put it in the comments. Um, your uh, website where people can go to donate and where they can uh, join up to knock on doors and help you. Um, and we hope that, you know, you'll get some support and uh, we'll move the uh, the needle a little bit uh, closer to freedom, you know, in this next election. But uh, do you have any uh, closing words before we sign off? I'd encourage you, if you've made it to the end of this, you should join the Libertarian Party. Come be a part <laughs> of it in the state of Colorado or wherever you are. Help be the change that you want to see. It's something where you can have an effect. You know, there's you know, there's youth and there's energy in this party, and we have control over it. If you are in agreement with me on most of the issues that you just heard, you can be a part of a group where you can make a difference. We we intend to get local, young, interested Christian or libertarian minded, like just better people involved at the local level. You know, we don't we don't need the retired lawyer who just wants to get in your business on the city council. We want somebody who actually believes in freedom and liberty and, and get rid of all the responsibilities of the city council, basically, and privatize it. So you can have a huge effect with a tiny amount of money and time. We are using national resources to focus on limited local races so that we have a real chance of winning and not just be a party that comes in second or third. We want to win. That's the whole point of politics. And then secondly, being a part of my campaign, spreading this message is an opportunity to either change the Republican Party's messaging for next time or let them fall apart because they've abandoned our principles. We should abandon them. 
having an R in front of your name or a D in front of your name is not a reason to vote for you. You actually have to reflect my ideals and my principles or you will not get my support. And if I offer that as the best option for you this November, please vote for me and please tell your friends to vote for me. And then I do have some advertising that is going out and I could go further with it if you were to support me. So please go to my website and donate 25 or 50 bucks for me. I'd appreciate it. And thank you. Okay. That is Brian Piotter for U.S. Senate. That's piotter.com, P-E-O-T-T-E-R.com. Uh, please get on that website and, uh, website and take a look and definitely make a donation and share that around on Facebook and let's get a little support. We very much appreciate you being on here. And when you get elected to Senate, uh, we're going to expect that you're going to come back uh, to this, uh, you know, little old podcast, Bible Thumper, and uh, tell us what the swamp smells like. Uh, thank you for joining us tonight. And folks, we'll see you uh, next Sunday night at uh, 7 p.m., 8 p.m. Central Time. Have a good night.